Hi, I'm Henry Welton. Do you enjoy the Zombie Motion podcast and want more content? Then check out the Zombie Motion social media linked in the description. We've got animations, music, stories, and more. We're even open to collaborators coming onto the podcast to share their music and short stories. If you want to share your content, email zombiemotionofficial at gmail.com to sign up for a slot. And hey, keep creating. Welcome back, listeners. In my cozy little cottage in the depths of the English forests, I'm here to tell you something rather important. I fixed the yard supply stock. The studio has been overhauled and has had anti-electromagnetic interference plating installed in the walls, so the devils and goblins on the fifth floor can no longer interfere. <clears throat> anyway, I'm here in my government issue interdimensionally transmuted cottage joined today by Osric J. Rice, up and coming author of short stories and poems. He has a natural talent for the study of descriptive writing. He has studied under some of the most open minded and innovative. English teachers of the day, and also has a flair for animation and art. So, Osric, tell us about your first story. Well, Mr. Welton, um, my first story, I believe, was called The Proxy Files. It was, I wrote it back when I was about 15, and one of the the underlying theme was a futuristic society in which mankind had entered a state of existence in which Earth had been managed by war, by pestilence, by all of this different stuff. And um They'd moved off of Earth to a planet called Prox, Proxima Earth. And the book was inspired by a band that I liked listening to at the time called Starset. And that was kind of the main driving force for a lot of my stuff in those early years. You know, the Proxy Files. Prox, I think it was called. Um, yeah, Prox. The law around the Bell 901 configuration, all of that different stuff. So, do you believe that all stories are inspired by external factors such as art and music? Uh, absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree with that because nothing is, in my experience, nothing is truly original in the sense of you are always going to have inspiration from something, so the inspiration of yours has has a home in what you've made. There's a little bit of it in what you've created. That's really quite interesting because 
then what defines the difference between you know something that's inspired and something that's copied because if something that's inspired is something that's copied with tact and creativity then how does copying actually constitute something wrong something that's wrong sorry hmm. So, do you illustrate your stories? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not really the kind of person who illustrates their stories. I mean, I've, I've got a creative flair, and I'm building up my art style. But I haven't been, I haven't been doing it for that long, maybe two or three years. Something that I have found generally, though, is that writing and illustrating they go hand in hand with a lot of you know writers of course famous example was Roald Dahl and Quentin Blake um else goes on because in my experience I've known people who both write and illustrate their stories for example Ian Bronner He's written, illustrated, and co-authored the um, Gumnik books, the Gumnik trilogy, because there's three now. And neither I'm, I'm the kind of person who writes short stories, but they're short stories which focus more on the descriptive imagery than on actual physical visual imagery. Because that's, I think for me, that's always been one of my greatest strengths, descriptive imagery. Because I can really describe something with words, go into it to a point where it just kind of develops into its own form of energy. And from that form of energy, it becomes something that holds under its own weight when people start looking at it. It's quite interesting how, pardon me, how the process unfolds. Would you say that? What you do is one of the most rewarding kinds of work. As a writer... Yeah, I would say so. But there is something else with writing, because you do get occasional... Like... You get bits of inspiration at three in the morning, like, where did that come from? But you don't... You know, you don't suppress it because a lot of people they suppress their creativity because they think it's wrong or they think that it's invalid but I would in my experience I would say be as creative as you can because creativity it's it's like a it's like the lifeblood of mankind you know if we aren't creative then what good does our existence serve because we're not actually living we're just existing and that's that's not the point in life, you know? So, for you, the creative process is a necessary component to life. I think it comes after only... Hmm. 
two things, health and security. If you're healthy and if you're secure, you should definitely be a creative. Because it it gives you an outlet in which you can fully immerse yourself because immersion into a creative world take, can take all of the mundaneness out of reality itself, that we can see to be reality. And if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that creative process, then the world we're living in would be empty because the society is built on the backs of creatives, you know, on the backs of designers, artists, architects, artists, poets, authors, illustrators. All these different people who come together over the centuries to develop this society. So I think the fact that the creative process is shunned upon or is overlooked by, in my eyes, a few sensitive people, it's understandable why, because they don't actually understand the fact that, or this is my interpretation, they don't understand the fact that while there is a process of construction in being you know, in society, constructors had need something to you know, they need something to plan. They need something to build. Because if they don't have a plan they're gonna build some really weird statue of I don't know. Uh Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I do believe that the creative process is a fundamental part of life and society. So, how many stories have you written since? Uh, Prox. Prox. How many stories have you written? Um, I think I've written eight or nine. Because the thing is with my outlet with writing it's slow it takes time for something to come through when it does come through it's steady it's you know it takes time to develop and that's the way I like it because that means that I can get I can you know do other stuff as well I can you know go to work I can you know, focus on my health my health is my work because you know look after myself that's my that's my work well that's my first work. My second work is, of course, the writing. Um, well, then there's the third, fourth. Well, that's that mission in the arts. But yeah, I've written eight or nine stories since that was 2017. It's been three years and I wrote eight stories. Uh, no, there's, um, there's Nightfall's Gate. Nightfall's Gate. Long ago. The best and worst case scenarios for Earth. And Not an addition because Henry Wilk, because you know, he wrote the he wrote the original. Yes, I did. I 
I, I've written three books of my own. There's Prox, there's Nightfall's Gate, which was about the Doctor Who. Oh, no, it's four stories, because there's a fourth one that's being written. Nightfall's Gate, Prox, Nungo, and this one I'm writing now, Army of Beasts. That's going to be quite interesting when it comes out. So, which story have you enjoyed writing the most? Um, which story? Which story? <laughs> I think when I started writing Prox, to begin with, I had a lot of flair and passion there. But as time went on, you know, it's just kind of got very... It was almost like it wasn't right for me. That's why, you know, I, did, I wrote the first chapter or two of Prox and then kind of closed it off and then created the About 901 configuration law. Um, and that was an interesting experience because I had to actually go through my mind and flesh out the entire configuration because About 901 is an actual nebula about, I think it's uh, two billion light years from Earth relatively and it's it's this huge intergalactic I think it's intergalactic plan it's intergalactic cluster where there are you know I kind of I've kind of visioned it as like this these band lands of planets like an empire empires over the place and it was just fascinating to see how that unraveled I think the story that I'm enjoying writing consistently is the one I'm doing at the moment, Army of Beasts. Because it's it's very inspired and it's very contrasting. Because there are two different parties who are who you know, one is subject to attack from the other, and the other can only put up form resistance. Because they're not prepared for that sort of attack. Um But yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating experience creating stories because like, you have the, the core of the story, the storyline, but the rest of it kind of tapers out from there. It's like the story goes out of your control because it's not actually your, it's not your, it's not your story. It's a story that's, you know, come through you and is being directed out from you. And that's, that's incredible. Can you talk a little bit more about that? The process of... What would that be called? Um, well, I call them downloads, because that's what, that's what it feels like, a physical download. Um, well, the process is that I... You know, have some inspiration, sit down, and I draft a... A prologue, or a first chapter. And I let it develop out from there. You know, I, I introduce characters. I create like a like a visualization in my head, and then I let it kind of run itself, you know, let it run the course of the whole story. And that's it's just incredible to see how it unfolds. I can imagine. So visualization and the creative process go together very well, especially in writing. Yeah. I think a lot of creatives use visualization. I think if there are, there are 
Netflix and they don't. Um, that's the, if they're starting, that's their best memory because if they can get a visualization in their head of what they're drawing, or what they're creating, what they're animating, what they're you know, sewing, or whatever they are doing artistically or creatively, if they have that you know in place, then it means that they can fall back to it. They can use it. And that's something that I think is a very important tool, because without that tool, you know, we wouldn't really have that. We wouldn't have the society we're built on if it wasn't for downloads, because, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand years ago, we didn't know how to build a house. You know, ten thousand years ago, we didn't know how to build a car. Ten thousand years ago, the technology of laptops would have been indistinguishable from magic. There's all these different things which slot into place very nicely, and I'm assuming that this is the case, I'm not actually saying this is the case, but if, according to the evidence which may be skewed, of humans, of mankind's development through the ages technologically, I think that's all to do with downloads. So, yeah. So, what kind of art do you make in relation to your stories? Um... I'll do some art around my stories, but the thing is, my art and my stories, they are... They're not always linked. Sometimes I'll, I'll have a, you know, idea for a piece of art and I'll go and make that with no correlation to the stories I think, because that is a thing of being creative, you can't... You can't lock yourself down in one way of thinking when there's so many other ways of thinking. You know, it kind of defeats the object of being open-minded. And there is a great element of intuition around that. A very great element. Because if you don't actually tune into your intuition as a creative, and if you don't allow that those ideas to come through the pipeline, then you're basically setting yourself up for... You're setting yourself up for eventually, you know, like a... running out of ideas. Where if you, where, whereas if you leave it up to the universe, and let that give you ideas as it comes through, or, you know, give yourself ideas, or... I don't want to phrase it. If you let the universe give you ideas, then it tends to be that you'll always have a... You always have a short queue of you have a short queue of ideas that are waiting to be attended to. Sorry, Osric. Uh, we're getting a few major. Never mind. Continue. Um. Something else in my stories is that they are very. They tend to be quite extreme. In the sense of Nightfall's Gate was about a man stuck in a maze in a time loop. Long ago was about a man travelling to a ship bound for a planet called Bayeska because Earth was destroyed, so this is in scene as Prot. Um Prot of course was about the destruction of Earth and Army of Beasts is about the invasion of a pure light city, if you like. And they all come from this this whole idea of, you know, there's 
I guess that's part of I guess that's part of my writing dynamic, part of that yeah, energy. I bring that into my stories because that's how I write them. I write them from the frame of Yeah. There is something extreme going on because that, that grabs readers' attention and that's something that it's great to write a short story if you know where you're going. And if you know how to play the beat. But because I'm only starting out, I tend to push them to their extreme. Because I know that if someone reads it, that'll grab their attention. Sorry again, Osric. Um, do you mind if we just stop? Unfortunately, there are some technical issues. Mm. No, of course, go ahead. I apologise, listeners. We'll be back after these messages. An endless amount of time ago, long before the formation of our world, the sun, and even the universe, a gentle resonation pulsed from the conglomeration in the moment, briefly turning the entire dimension a deep, inky black, before an energy pulse sourced at the top of the antenna in the highest tower of the clearing relay, exploded in a blinding flash of white, flooding the dimension with white once again, with little cracks inky black trying to seep through, fighting the dimensional shield protecting the conglomeration. The crystalline archway, a doorway that had been apparently only a few meters tall, had been breached, shattered. A man smashed through the barrier around the crystalline archway that hit its true scale and true form, a gateway made of obsidian Hellstone and onyx that towered over the conglomeration, belittling and dwarfing the mighty paradise. Standing parallel to the front line of the energy barricades, standing tall around the conglomeration, a man with a small army of lower dimensional beings stood in front of the mighty onyx gateway, full of hellish rage and fire, armed to the claw with brawn and brain. The man's army, 10,000 strong, raced towards the conglomeration, with the inky black cracks widening into gashes beneath their feet as they charged towards the barricade with malicious intent, damaging the world and breaking down the protective barrier that kept the blackness, the eternal night, forever at bay. Creatures towering 10 feet tall with teeth-like daggers, blackened eyes like deep empty pits, and faces contorted and stretched beyond any reasonable and merciful form of defamation staggered toward the energy barricades. They stood tall, their spines and joints cracking, shaking, shaking the dimension out of its natural, blindingly white state into a strange, off-white shimmer with a low vibration and blackened ground beneath the creatures. The things yanked and chewed viciously at the barricades sinking their teeth into the frequency regulators and disrupting the energy wall. A chancellor of eternity stood at the foot of the energy wall, 
scared for his life for the first time in 10,000 generations. As he looked to his hand, as it quivered between a state of energy and a blurry appendage that looked like the outline of a hand. The ground beneath him darkened as he shifted from the ground around him darkened as he shifted from a shapeless energy into a vaguely human shape before solidifying, stretching and thickening, contorting and breaking apart, turning into one of the creatures. The creatures roared a discordant and dissonant shriek, causing the energy barricades to shiver and crackle, briefly turning into an impure energy before the infinite power bestowed into them restored and the energy was purified. The man stepped forward with a look of blood-ridden lust in his eyes. He looked at the creatures and spoke in a low, growling voice. Destroy them. A creature threw itself into the energy barricades with a grunt and dissonant, ghastly scream. The resulting scream and force thrown onto the barricades caused one to malfunction, breaking down entirely. The blackness under the creature seeped into the conglomeration and reached out of the floor, latching onto a poor onlooker as they changed from a pure state of energy and light into a creature of pure inky darkness. The creature of darkness pulled what at first appeared to be hands from his... Pardon me. The creature of darkness pulled what at first appeared to be fingers from his blackened and malformed hand, throwing the dark slender shadows at a few of his ex-brethren, wrapping their skinny and blackened bodies around the starry orbs and throwing them towards the man. The man snatched the orbs in his hand, wrapping his impossibly long fingers around them, never touching them out of fear of what they might do to him. He nodded to the dark beast as it lunged from another group of beings. That was a short excerpt of Army of Beasts by Osric J. Rice, part of the anthology such a series of short stories, released 2021. If you want to get in contact with Zombie Motion, you can email zombiemotionofficial at gmail.com to sign up for a creative slot. Damn it. Looks like the art supply stock malfunctioned again. Sorry about that, Osric. No problem at all. Apologies to you too, listeners. I'm not sure what's causing all these technical issues. Anyway, as the world comes to a dark close, as the night draws near on its daily quest to devour the light, we wish you well, creators. Sweet dreams.
The Zombie Motion Podcast is a production of Zombie Motion. It is written by Henry Wilton and produced by Henry Wilton. The host of the show was Henry Wilton. Today's guest was Osric J. Rice. Today's art supply stocks was Army of Beasts by Osric J. Rice. Thoughts? Questions? Submit them in the comments below or email us at zombiemotionofficial at gmail.com. The word of the day is, if you have a headache while you're asleep, does that headache exist? From C. Massix.